Welcome to South London Hardcore, the official podcast of the 2012 Olympics. No, not really. Because um, could we get removed from iTunes for that, Steve? I don't know if we could get removed from iTunes, but we could have problems with... I mean, let's say ideally... lawsuit on our hands. Hmm? Well, ideally, we'd want some sort of action from uh, the AOC, but we wouldn't actually want it to mean we can't do this anymore. Did you see the um, recent... I'm not sure where it was, somewhere in Southwark where uh, the council asked that bagel shop to remove the uh, five rings, yeah. five bagels out the window saying uh, it was violating the Olympic uh, trademark. But they got, they, uh, the decision was uh, reversed. The thing is, bagels predate probably even uh, the ancient Olympics, let alone this modern corporate monstrosity. The uh, torch relay was going through Penn High Street this morning. I didn't see it, but uh, people say on Twitter that before the actual torch arrives as part of the relay, there's basically um, a bus from Coca-Cola that sort of goes through first, mainly, you'd imagine, to hand out branded things for people to wave. Yeah, always so the way, any it? photograph that people have to do with the Olympics, there's some, uh, yeah, bull consumerism about. We're going to be talking about the Olympics today, obviously. Uh, the Olympics in South London. A bit on the Olympics in general, because it affects us uh, I suppose we could start with this relay talk relay business Steve seems like the biggest waste of time to me it's not a thing is it no it's not a thing I, I, I'd be interested I haven't done the research because it's not directly related to South London but you know there's this isn't a thing is it you don't no. need oh I touched the Olympic it's going up every street yeah my sister apparently um, it went past her house in New Eltham yeah. today and she didn't realise it went past <laughs> like, it must just be going back and forth like just up and down you know like a, like the postman it's like one of those um, sort of uh, hail and ride buses, you know, where they just don't go on normal bus routes. They just go through like industrial estates around the back of uh, supermarkets in a way that buses just don't normally. Uh, the only upside to this really, I mean, my big concern was it going through Penge and me not being able to get to work. But it seemed fine, like the roads were fine, I could get through. People were already congregating on Penge High Street for its arrival. And there were lots of uh, union flags. And, yeah, that's fine. But what was nice was somehow, and I really want to find out where, um, loads of kids had these massive purple balloons that just said Pride in Penge. Oh, excellent. nothing Olympic, nothing nah. branded, nothing. Just said Pride in Penge. So is it? Was it Pride as in the gay march? Well, it was only purple. Because it's purple. It, what, but it was purple rather. But than... rainbow balloons are expensive, man. Yeah. So maybe they're just going. Look, we'll bang out some purple balloons. Yeah. I like just like saying that purple is the colour of Penge. Unless they're blowing up some condoms. <laughs> Yeah, why can't someone do the decent thing and sling it in the Thames, man, when they've got it? Well, isn't there loads? Because you get to keep it if you're a designated torch. Yeah, what's the... Because oh. people... This is, and well, it... what would be great if someone would like that uh, Tibetan monk that time? Just sit down, <laughs> set themselves on fire. As Only a someone self-immolate. It'd be memorable. There was obviously outcry as well when it became obvious that people who were torchbearers then took their commemorative torch. <laughs> For an eBay, yeah. yeah. And... Um, People were going, uh, this isn't the Olympic spirit. I'm like, isn't it exactly the Olympic yeah. spirit? It seems like with the modern Olympics, with the, as I say, Nike, Coca-Cola, MasterCards, circus, this is entirely the Olympic spirit. Yeah, it's rampant uh, commercialism now, isn't it? It's not It's not a coincidence that you got Sebastian Coe, uh, runner and Tory at the spearhead of this, is it? Co as well, short for company, company man. <laughs> Fitting. Satire. Not saying that Sapland <laughs> Hardcore dabbles in too often. When we do, it's biting, isn't it? 
Seb Coe's sitting at home now and he doesn't he's like feeling burned, he doesn't even know why. Choking on his uh, caviar. So <laughs> gone too far. You couldn't sustain it, could you? No. So- <laughs> social commentary. <laughs> I really wanted the World Cup in England. So um it'd be a bit hypocritical of me to just completely say I don't want the Olympics here just because I'm not interested in any of the sports in it. Which we'll come to later on probably. <laughs> You know, so like when it kind of interrupts traffic, you know, that's kind of, uh, you have to a degree, I mean, you have to accept that, do you know what I mean? But what the trouble is with all these things now, with these bids, is that you have to pay millions of pounds. And I, I presume the Olympics is not as bad as uh, the World Cup, but you have to pay so much money just to impress them and get it over it. Yeah. And you have to... Uh, you have to bribe people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Open bribes yeah, and, yeah. you know, closed bribes. And you have to... Uh, forego laws of the country to let it in the remarkable bit also um, you know when you read about you know the whole get ahead of the games thing on TFL when you read about the plans they've got yeah we're closing all the bridges yeah that's uh, a lot of roads we're going to hand over half of these roads as Olympic land was this in the bid did the IOC read this and go you're going to do what close that all of that part for a day okay if you're happy to, and they're like, yeah, we can definitely do that. Yeah, this is, I mean, these bids are, uh, this is what's so bogus about it, isn't it? I mean, I know this, let me just go on to a related subject about football. When Qatar was awarded the 2022 yeah. World Cup, uh, Russia and Qatar one after the other. And I'm bitter because we didn't get it. Yeah. yeah that's, you know, I would openly admit that. But I also find it extraordinary that they've got a bid book, which is the size of a microwave. Yeah, and in it on the Qatar one, but first of all, I think it's um, it shouldn't you shouldn't be allowed to be giving it to a country that where homosexuality is illegal. Yeah, and like where you've got such sort of uh, other restrictive laws against uh, women and you know. Like, I doubt there's many women with uh, driving licenses in Qatar. But it's only later on, like uh, after they've been given it, um, you got this talk of uh, playing the game in three halves <laughs> or thirds, yeah. as is known. Or, and also, maybe we could have the World Cup in the winter. What? None of this was in that massive book. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, maybe, let's talk about um, temperature control in the stadiums. What was in it? Yeah. Well, they, they sort of go in. Uh, it's, it seems like after they wore it and gone. So Qatar, what sort of climate is? It's mid. Oh, sh- oh it's really hot, isn't it? Probably not conducive for mm. people to run around in the middle people, of the day. German people will die. <laughs> My personal take on these events is, I don't need them to be in London because I'm not going to get tickets to go and see them. I'm so I'm going to watch it on telly if I see any of it anyway. So it might as well be in Mexico City, or you know, Gestalt. yeah. You, when you uh, watch football, commentators are obsessed with where games in the past were played. Yeah, like I remember once hearing about Gelsenkirchen, and I was just <laughs> like, "What are they talking about? What happened there?" Yeah. It turned out it was where England lost in 2006 to Portugal, I think, in yeah, Germany. Yeah. It like they don't seem these people pundits and uh, commentators and journalists who go to all these things and they're sitting there and they're obsessed with whether the host nation does well or doesn't do well because yeah. it make, affects the tournament. No, we're at home watching it and it's a green rectangle on the screen. So, I mean, it makes no difference, does <laughs> yeah. it? But the difference it does make is that if it was in a World Cup in England, England would have a slightly better chance of winning it. Absolutely, yeah. But in terms of the Olympics, I don't know. So many different events. There's no such. You don't really have home advantage, do you? No, and the trouble is, as I said before, I'm not. I have no interest in any of the sports. So, but you've also said before, uh, 100 meters. 
is your one exception to that. Yeah, but that would that's that's not in a kind of nationalist. In, no, no, I don't have a national interest in it. No. If you know what I mean? It's yeah, just a fascination. In that you want humans but, uh, to run as fast as they can. Exactly. So previously, we had the Olympics in London in 1908 and 1948, uh, which we'll come to shortly. Um, there were, if I can just do a little spoiler, Steve. Of course. It was one venue in South London in 1908, three venues in South London in 1948, if my maths is right, and in 2012, we've got four venues in South London. So, so we've got two two things going on in Greenwich, or two venues, as I say, more than two things going on. Now, we were talking about the uh, evils of sponsorship, right? <laughs> but there's a, you've got this perverse thing where certain sponsors, you know, so obviously certain sponsors have paid the money up. And so, as a result, the uh, IOC, the International Olympic Committee, won't uh, recognise unofficial sponsors if their name is on the venue. Yeah. So the O2 Arena in Greenwich, formerly the Millennium Dome, it's got a new name, and it's never had this name before. The North Greenwich Arena. Which is nice, isn't it? I, feel, I think we should uh, make a point, Steve. From now on, that's what we call it, man. NGA. Just pop it down the North Greenwich Arena. Do you want anything? <laughs> Can I have a Nando's, please? <laughs> In the North Greenwich Arena, there's gymnastics. Artistic and trampolining. I don't know what that means, man. <laughs> well, the artistic's the floor stuff, isn't it, with... Uh... The wouldn't be called string, like the um, they want to have the uh, ribbons, yeah. yeah. Really, yeah, I think what so. What about when you just run from one corner to the other doing little flips and stuff? I yeah, and then at the end, you, put, you do a little uh, I think that's just floor stuff, but I think the artistic stuff is where, yeah, it's deliberately decorative rather than uh, gymnastics. The basketball was there as well, but I think that might just be the final. Um, Lakeisha works in a school, Lakeisha, my wife. If we've got any new listeners today, we've listened to previous episodes where she shows up. Hashtag more Lakeisha. Her school that she works at is uh, in Tower Hamlets. So they got some free Olympic tickets, right? Just some uh, basketball tickets in Manchester. <laughs> so they've, they've, this is the level of planning that's gone into it. These Olympics are going to be great. The school I work in, they've given some uh, tickets for women's hockey. Got We've got the Olympic logo on our school letterhead, right? You know, yeah. like on the footer, you've got like about seven logos of the different kind of uh, awards you've got and things you participate in. And uh, one of them is the, Olymp the 2012 Olympics. And we've got um, six tickets to women's hockey. <laughs> like, that has been on the letterhead for a year. What's the point, man? <laughs> but like, there's like millions of unsold tickets in there. Or half a million, should I say. Yeah, there's plenty of... They always, they always keep things in reserve, don't they, in terms of that. I mean, but also... Yeah, I don't know. I, I was, if I was interested at all in uh, applying for tickets, they did the thing where they made the process seem so... Well, people were outraged when they... Uh, yeah. Nobody seemed to have a good time buying Olympic tickets, no. that's for sure. And, of course, with the basketball, um, the British team will be helped by the presence of Lord Deng. The Chicago Bulls, who um, was paid uh, a very nice compliment uh, a couple of weeks ago, where the coach of the US basketball team said if he was available for selection, Lord Deng would have certainly made uh, the US basketball. But he's from Brixton, so... You can't have him. Brixton via uh, South Sudan, of course. Mm. We've got him on our money in Brixton, so... <laughs> Down the road in uh, Greenwich Park, 
you've got equestrian. And that's when people mess about on horses, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. See, this is the thing with that, that and gymnastics. I'm, I just don't have any time for Desperate sports. Yeah, yeah, when you kind of, you've got a judge and they're deciding, yeah. no, you blow a whistle, right? <laughs> and then whoever gets there first or throws it the furthest, yeah. whoever they win. Whoever scores the most goals. Yeah. But like, when it's basically people dance, dancing around. And it's a talent goes. show. <laughs> I've got no time for that, man. Modern pentathlon is also in Greenwich Park, right? And I thought, oh, all right, that's proper. But it's not, is it, man? It's the, it's the shooting one, isn't it? Pistol shooting, yeah. yeah. We were going to replace it with lasers, Steve. <laughs> but they decided against it at the last minute. Because uh, the lasers take place in Peckham's clothes now, isn't it? So. <laughs> uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, man. Irpe fencing? <laughs> I'm pretty sure you got it bang on. I think that's uh, pitch perfect. So fencing, that's kind of sort of semi-legitimate, isn't it? You have to kind of hit, hit the other person a certain number of times. Yeah, yeah. But too much gear. They're wearing too much gear for my liking. <laughs> uh, 200 metres freestyle swimming. Yep. Brilliant, you know. How fast can you swim this far? Yeah, legit. Show jumping, man. Nah. That's well, not, why is that in there? Jumping, isn't it? Then why they have like a proper horse race? <laughs> <laughs> um... My friend Mike at work got some Olympic tickets. He got tickets for uh, the Olympic football semi-finals, right. and uh, he was like, "Do you want them?" Because uh, I can't remember. And went, do you, do you, "Why did you apply for Olympic tickets? What did you want?" He went, "Anything, uh, sort of equestrian or horses." I was right. like, "Keep your Olympic football semi-final tickets. You'll definitely be able to do some sort of exchange yeah. to get equestrian tickets." Someone told me I got equestrian tickets, and like, this is ridiculous. I want to see Neymar. I want to hmm. see. Uh, I want to see Sandro Ranier. <laughs> And the other thing is the 3,000, what, a three-kilometre cross-country run. I presume that's a freestyle run, Steve. <laughs> and again, that's a legitimate event. Yeah, yeah, run, that part is, but once you throw show jumping in, it just messes the whole thing <laughs> up. Also, the fact that you've got five different events in one, I just don't know how excited you can get about I mean, obviously, Daily, Don- Daily Thompson, right? Was it 84? He had a great, yeah, yeah. great moustache and stuff, but... I'm a no, I'm a big fan. What of, is decathlon? Uh, is all proper stuff in it? Yeah, it is. But I'm a big fan of uh, all rounders. Yeah, I, d- I do think there's something about that where you go. Uh, it's like you know, Carl Lewis being a great sprinter and a great long jumper. Yeah, that's you know, pretty you special. Give him, you give him extra points as an Olympian for that, don't you? You know, for me, it's always Redgrave because of the amount of time uh, you know over five Olympics to stay at the top of your game in such a physically demanding. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah, but you know, someone that can do. More than one sport at an Olympic level. It's quite an unnatural level. activity as well, Rowan, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah. To You're do that kind of stuff to... with your arms, man. Yeah. What's the whole Whereas shape running, of... I mean, we've all run for a bus. <laughs> I even made Although we'll probably come to the Paralympics in some place, wouldn't we? Where... <laughs> I've heard reports, Steve, from uh, locals that Greenwich Park has just been completely wrecked, man. Well, that's what the thing. When people saw the plans, they were outraged because... And we, we went there quite recently, didn't we? And you saw... So much of it's closed off, and they were just putting things. You know, they've they've closed so much of it, and you know, put fences up around a lot of it. I mean, I'm sure that they can put it all back afterwards, but it just seems, you know. I'm sure, they won't be going at the same pace, will they? <laughs> when they look to rectify it. But yeah, such a lovely park, man. It'd be yeah. a shame. Two more venues in South London, Stephen. The current Olympics. The uh, All England Lawn Tennis Club at Wimbledon. And croquet. And croquet. Olympic croquet. Yeah, it will be interesting, I think, um, to see Wimbledon 
with uh, with the players wearing not just uh, well, not not wearing prominent uh, not prominently wearing white. Yeah, and uh, also was just covered in adverts, unlike yeah. the normal kind of Wimbledon. Uh, and it is odd where you know normal Wimbledon is essentially a corporate event, isn't it? It's it's a private company established. Yeah, it is, but but as we kind of established on the Wimbledon episode, it's quite egalitarian in a number of ways. It is, but you'd imagine that would be the one where they've got a commercial bent to it. The Olympics is supposed to be about. Yeah. I just think there's this real dichotomy between the amateur spirit of Olympians and the uh, mercenary commercial nature of the organisers. just seems this really odd thing where, you know, p- people in the past have had medals that they've earned through effort stripped because at some point they earned some money. Hmm. And it just seems now that, you know, Seb Coe can, uh, you know, drag together a big pile of cash for himself to sit on afterwards now that he's uh, not running. And he'll learn more from the Olympics for not running than he ever did from running. And so um, I'm uh, assuming you don't know what the other, the uh, fourth venue is, do I'll give you a clue, Steve. We, no, we came very close in uh, episode... I can't remember which number it was. <laughs> That's going to make it hard for me to guess. Royal Artillery Barracks. In Woolwich? Yeah, man. Okay. Shooting. And in the Paralympics. Good place to do it, isn't it? Yeah, man. And Paralympics, they're going to be doing uh, archery there as well. Okay. It's quite a range of. Uh, this is the thing. So many shooting events. It's like with the cycling thing and st- and swimming and that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Where people come away with like four gold medals from one Olympics. <laughs> no swimming. Like you won one for that. What were your other gold medals in? Yeah. Well, Thorpe's talking about maybe uh, topping. Is it seven he got before? Yeah, he wants to become the most decorated Olympian of all time. Yeah. Well, and he can just through uh, being good at swimming. He's not Steve Brograve, though, is he? <laughs> I sound like Steve Brograve nearly in the boat. Whereas he didn't, <laughs> he was just using his massive feet. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned before, see, the 100 metres, which is something I'm interested in only because, uh, I mean, partly because it's a spectacle. I like the fact that it's short. You know, one of the things I don't like about cricket is that the game's gone for about a fortnight and they have right <laughs> lunch breaks and stuff, and it just goes on forever. They don't even try and hit the ball really most of the time. Do they? <laughs> they sort of leave. They it. just don't want to get out. <laughs> and, like, yeah, don't, the games don't tend to. Finish today. Weather affects it. You've got 2020 now for people like you. Exactly. With no, uh, exactly. Spans. There's like two types of the same game. You don't need that <laughs> 100 meters, do you? You have the 100 meters and it's over in 10 seconds. Yeah, or the, the way Usain Bolt's going, like eight seconds or something now. Four times, uh, no, four times 100 meters there. Relay? Yeah. They do 100 meter relays there. That'd be mad. Four times 25 meters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's always exciting, I think, just because it's. You know, the definition of what a human can do. Yeah. You know, the fastest a human being has ever run. And obviously Usain Bolt has just smashed the record twice and it's just an extraordinary thing to witness, really. So and of course, uh, you were saying before about the number of people who have run sub-10 seconds. And no British runners managing it, have they? Yeah, yeah, there's... Uh, yeah, the Jamaican uh, team, it's just like... They've got there were three Jamaicans in it, I guess. I think you yeah. have to narrow it down. But there's like 52 Jamaicans that have run the 100 meters. <laughs> current Jamaican sprinters who've run 100 meters in under 10 seconds. Because obviously there was a lot of controversy about Dwayne Chambers uh, being allowed back into the Olympics. But my thing is, uh, if he wants to train for months and you know put himself through the mill to finish sixth, 
If yeah, you know, that's if, it. If he gets to the final, know. that's fine. Uh, you know I mean? as, as long as you understand, once you're not cheating, you're not even close to contending with these people. You're you're never, you know, and that's why he had to cheat, didn't he? In the end, he, he was never going to be good enough without it. Other people accept that and don't bother entering the Olympic competitions, train chambers for and give it a go. So what's going to happen? Or you go the Ben Johnson route in it, wait till the night before. The thing that always struck me about Ben Johnson was uh, the fact that at any point people thought he wasn't on drugs. His eyes were yellow. It's amazing. And you sort of see his eyes afterwards. His eyes like bulging out of his head and they're yellow. And you're like, he's on all the drugs, isn't he? There's an ESPN 30 for 30 coming up on Ben Johnson. Oh, really? There's a new series in October. Um, what, another 30? Uh, well, they were already like 36 or something, weren't they? Oh, of course, they just yeah. kind of had a strange number. But yeah, there's a load more coming, and that's one of them. So that's exciting. I mean, yeah. you know, we're talking amongst ourselves now. But the ESPN <laughs> 30 for 30 documentary series, mostly about American sports. Not, you know, at least two thirds anyway. Yeah, nothing about South London. Nothing. Otherwise, we would definitely have covered it by now. Wasn't there one on Duncan Goodhue? <laughs> no, there wasn't. 31 for 30. There's another uh, Olympic legacy for South London uh, currently. What's uh, that? Blackheath. Oh yeah, I don't, what is that, man? Uh, it's missile. Uh, what, what were you thinking? You're looking really positive. Because um, yeah, they've uh, they've like they put in missile batteries. Uh, is Blackheath. that what it is? Yeah. yeah. So if anyone starts kicking off, they just, they just chuck gonna, a bomb. Yeah. bomb. Who are they going to bomb? Then? Uh, just the area where the, it's all kicking <laughs> off. So you know, <laughs> if someone goes into uh, Wembley Stadium wearing a Pepsi T-shirt <laughs> and know that Coke are the official sponsors. They could, you know, just get the coordinates. They probably got more pre-programmed, and they can just uh, bombard uh, the area. It's great, really good. It's what you want from the Olympics, isn't it? You want, you know, disruptions to the roads, uh, massive corporate sponsorship everywhere, and uh, the threat of military action against uh, a civilian you know, civilian populace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the magic of the Olympics, Sebko told me. Hmm. Football, Steve. Uh, you know, I. Uh... Used to do a football blog. Now I mostly tweet about football from at Yids. Get Steve at Vents Wales. Me at Jack McInroy. The uh, show at SLHC Podcast. Go to SouthlandHardcore.com as well. Slip in, you know, the links in naturally. Because there's no way he stands to the end. <laughs> no, because <laughs> now I've forgotten what I was going to say. But no, football. Uh, One South Londoner, isn't it, as we pointed out. Yeah, the... Ryan Bertrand. Yeah. I've kind of bored people with uh, my views on it but maybe not the people who are listening so if I can just get it out of the way I'm sure you um, <laughs> the Olympics are supposed to be like, as much as we're knocking the commercialism of it an Olympic gold medal is you know one of the top sports prizes yeah we need to make this clear I'm a big fan of the Olympics as a sporting event I think it's one of the yeah it is it's one of the best sporting you know that and the World Cup they're amazing events they're you know the, you're seeing the best people at what they do you see an excellence, but as I say, I hate the things around it. But right with football, it just if if uh, and the same with tennis to a, less so in the last last couple of years. But if the Olympics is not the pinnacle of a particular sport, then what is it doing in there, man? Well, this is my thing. The Olympics should be about excellence. You should be seeing the best people yeah. of their disciplines. With tennis, you've you've pretty much got that. Once you've yeah, got yeah, Federer, last, yeah. Nadal in, but Nadal's not in it this year. But you know, generally, if if they're if you are getting the top players going, I don't mean it's not a ma- a major. It's it's not a slam. It's not you know something that counts in the same sort of way. But at least you've got the top people there. With football, yeah, it has. It's turned around the last few years. I think that something changed where the uh, did the tour kind of start recognizing it in a different way. 
I don't want to sound cynical, but I think... They broke them off a piece, man. I think Federer was basically told to go by Nike. And then... Is it oh, is Adidas okay. in the dark? Yeah, I think so. So Adidas then can't have Nike. It's just... It, and it is, it's, it, you know, it's the positives. Yeah. Of, uh, High tech. They said Tim, <laughs> Tim Edmund. Don't go to the Olympics. <laughs> but yeah, essentially, it, that would be it. It's going to be the fact, you know, the Olympics... Whether you think sports should be there or not, I'm I'm very traditional when it comes to Olympic sports. You know, I, I want athletics, I want swimming. I always have this thing about the Olympics. It should be about the sports, which track just, and field. It's the human body in it. It's just the human body, mm. you know, excelling in whatever it does. And once you get into tennis, where you've got you know elements of technology, not necessarily you know things you can measure is nice, isn't it? Absolutely. You know what yeah, I mean, yeah. I want. I just want maths. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, have some numbers. Just I, I get the most joy I've ever gotten out of anything related to the Olympics is just looking at the hundred meters uh, record progression. Yeah, do you know what I mean? That's not even exclusively the Olympics. Do you know what I mean? Just going and Wikipedia. Oh, nine, and then it went up by uh, four hundredths <laughs> of a second. So yeah, tennis is kind of is kind of moving towards being an You've important event for tennis. With football, mm. it's it can not, it can't be. Yeah, it can never be because you've got this ridiculous situation where you've um, you pick eighteen players. And uh, three of them can be over 23 and the rest have got to be under 23. That uh, kind of age restriction doesn't exist anywhere in football or anything like it. No. It exists anywhere. If you said it was an under 21 tournament, then at least you've got... Well, it would at least, it would be, then it would be a youth tournament. Yeah. But... That's, and that's fine. That'd be legitimate. You go, these no, are the but it, it wouldn't, though, would it? But at least then, they're the best players at that particular... You've, you've sort of, like, got clear boundaries, and you go, they're the best players in the world at that age for, like, yeah, but what, It's still not what, ideal. What event... What, no, are there absolutely. any events in the Olympics with age restrictions? No. Not right. So that just means that you don't... Not everyone's going to pick their best players. Obviously, Neymar is there. He's one of the best players in the world. Sandro... Um, is a, he's one of the, he's a plan for Brazil as well because basically uh, what it used to be is that um, it wasn't part of the FIFA calendar so you didn't have to uh, you didn't have clubs didn't have to release their players but it's since been changed so that they have to release their under twenty three players and the Brazil uh, Brazil have got the actual Brazil manager running the team yeah um, as have some other countries like Uruguay for example whereas in oh, well Britain we'll come back to that in a second. <laughs> Whereas other countries have the kind of youth manager. Um, but again, with Brazil, that's going to be uh, pressure from Nike as well. Yeah, Nike would then fold that into their ridiculous schedule they've got the Brazilian team. I mean, people are saying it's not fair, the Brazilian team. There's only one player in the Brazilian squad who hasn't played for the full Brazilian national side. But the reason for that is Brazil are constantly playing football. They're like the Harlem Globetrotters. They're just constantly travelling around. Yeah, the they don't really play in Brazil anymore. Play, play in a friendly... Anyway. So at some point or other, they've picked everyone they can. Mm. Just because if they pick the same squad, they'd be exhausted and clubs would be up in arms. So it, I think they're Nike have sort of forced Brazil to take the Olympics more seriously than... What is this did. idea? It keeps coming up on Twitter when I kind of moan about the Olympics. Um, that, like, yeah, in Brazil, they take it really seriously because they've got, like... They the, feel like it's the only thing they haven't won. Yeah. They've won like two Copa Americas or something ridiculous like that. Do you know what I mean? They've, yeah, yeah. You know, they concentrate on winning proper tournaments. You don't need to <laughs> worry about the Olympics. You know, they've, the calendar is packed, man. Top footballers are playing too many football matches. Yeah. And this is the thing that should be given, but it's not because obviously the IOC have broken off FIFA a piece and that's why they're allowing, you know, why they're kind of pushing it. And, and football, football all year round. Though. For, for the Olympics, football's clearly the most popular 
you know, people say fishing, what are you talking about? Mm. Uh, football is the most popular sport in the world. It's got the global region, no other sport can match. Mm. So the Olympics needs football and FIFA needs money. It doesn't, but it wants it. So it's easy enough for the IOC to, as you say, break off a piece for FIFA, FIFA approve it. They can enforce clubs releasing players and suddenly the competition's elevated. It's still not a proper tournament because, as you say, it's just too convoluted in terms of rules. Luckily, um, the, the country I support is not in normally involved, uh, England. And it's Great Britain at the moment. And it's not a representative. You'd, those, If you were to pick an 18-man British squad, right, and there were no age restrictions, I don't... Would you pick any of those players? Yeah, it's... it's Arguably well, Michael mean, Richards, but he didn't make the uh, Euro squad. Well, the thing is, and then you had Sean, uh, Stuart Pearce told by the FA that he can't pick players who played during 2012. Uh, yeah, Euro. rightly so. So he would have he would have picked Andy Carroll, he would have picked Oxley Chamberlain, he would have picked Theo Walcott. Wayne Rooney. <laughs> yeah, what Stuart Pearce doesn't quite seem to understand is... Uh, He's sort of uh, moaning about the FA restricting him on the players he picks. If the Olympics was a worthwhile tournament in which you could pick all the best players, he wouldn't be managing a team <laughs> in it. Do you know what I mean? We've got uh, a South London representative in the uh, Great Britain Olympic squad. Yeah, Brian Bertrand, doesn't it? Brian Bertrand and Conrad Williams. Who's that? He's a runner. He's going to be in the 400 metres and the four, uh, by 400 metres relay squad. Well, that's it. No one else from South London. Well, he's the only one that I know of, I'm sure. Yeah, probably are. others, man. Yeah, probably others. Bradley Wiggins, isn't it? He used to train at Hernhill Velodrome. Northern, though, isn't he? Isn't it? Yeah. But, as you say, legacy of uh, Hernhill Velodrome. There's also uh, one other claim that we can make on, South London can make on the 2012 Olympics. Go on. Mandeville and Wenlock. Pardon me? Do those names mean anything to you? You can probably have a guess at what they are, just from... Didn't this come up in... Go on, tell me. They're the uh, the Olympic, not characters, what would you call them? Mascots. Mascots, yeah. yeah the mascots. Like World Cup Willy. Like World Cup Willy. But these are obviously uh, amorphous robots. Have you seen them as no, figures? They're probably. just odd, sort of uh, misshapen things. Named after uh, Mandeville and Wenlock, two villages that have uh, a strong role in British Olympic history. Mandeville was where the Paralympic Games originated. Uh, and Wenlock was uh, the place where, before the modern Olympiad started, there were, uh, this takes us before 1908, there were British Olympic Games, with a K on the end. Um, yeah, Wenlock was one place. There was another place that had a wilder version of the Olympics. One of the events was sheen kicking. Was that sort of thing. It was basically uh, just sort of village games, but they mm. would call them the Olympic Games, the Cotswold Olympic Games and, and, and uh, mm. Wenlock. Um and to recognise, because uh, it's seen that Britain has this sort of unique role in keeping the Olympic spirit alive in that they had these games even when the Olympics weren't officially running. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, when Locke's seen as like the birthplace of the British Olympic spirit and Mandeville representing the uh, Paralympics. So these two mascots uh, are named for that, but they were designed uh, by a company based in SE1. I'm not going to um. name them because I think as designs... They're awful. Really? I mean, do have a look. Do they match with the kind of uh, 2012 logo? They, yeah, this is the thing. When I say they're not out of place with the uh, overall setup of the 2012 Olympics, that's not a compliment. 
The uh, have you seen that GIF of uh, the 2012 logo rotating so it says Zion? I've I've heard I've, I've seen it before just because one of my favourite conspiracy theories surrounding uh, the 2012 games. Uh, firstly, someone spotted that around the Olympic Stadium, there's lots of uh, biblical names. There's lots of roads that have names from the Bible. Ignoring the fact that the Bible's got a lot of names in it. And like, <laughs> roads. It's one of those wonderful yeah. things where they go, uh, but if you look there, there and there, and you go, well, they're, they're named after trees. <laughs> you know, it's not a tree-related conspiracy. <laughs> but this is, this is what these people do. They find patterns and then try and retank into it. Um, but related to that, yeah, people noticed that you could create the word Zion mm. out of 2012. Um and someone pointed out there's a high possibility. Have we talked about um, chemtrails before? Uh, don't know. It's where, uh, you know where planes have, leave exhaust in the air? Yeah, yeah. Conspiracy theorists call those chemtrails, and they think yeah, they can do various things. They can, uh, you know, they're trying to make the populace infertile, mind control. Um, but a popular theory that came out of uh, the games was the idea that um, the British government are going to use, well, I say British government, the Illuminati, we're going to use chemtrails to seed the air over the Olympic Stadium. Um, and then during the Olympics, they were going to broadcast a hologram over the Olympic Stadium of Jesus. <laughs> and they were going to fake the second coming uh, <laughs> during the Olympics. And it was all tied into the Mayan calendar in 2012. Yeah. It was just tapping into all these ideas. And I was reading about it on uh, a mad conspiracy website in the comments. But, and um, one guy came back and went, what about the Muslims? They don't see uh, Jesus as Messiah, they see him as uh, a prophet. And uh, the Jews don't see him as a Messiah, so it's only Christians, it's, this isn't going to work. This is a terrible conspiracy. And the guy came back with, and this is possibly my favourite element of any conspiracy theory, went, the thing about the chemtrails is uh, you'll see whatever Messiah you believe in. <laughs> uh... <laughs> see, the idea is you'll get people nudging each other going, see ya. Uh, Mohammed up there. I don't. I see Jesus. <laughs> All right. Interesting. Because I see a uh, different. Yeah. And you, Steve, you only believe in conspiracy theories that involve Nike. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. You put that tick upside down. Does it? <laughs> so do you want to go back, Steve, to 1906 when Vesuvius erupted? Yeah. Why? Well, you had, yeah. you had a time machine. That's where you go. <laughs> um, yeah. Obviously, for the 1908 games, it was originally awarded to Rome but as you say the eruption of Vesuvius meant that Naples was essentially covered in volcanic ash and essentially the Italian government had to take all the money they were going to spend on the Olympics and redirect it into uh, fixing their country which is not unreasonable <laughs> I think so London stepped up mainly because um, the Franco-British exhibition was going on at Wise City yeah, so they had the infrastructure in place for a large scale event. They still had to sort of improvise a lot, but it was seen as the uh, the city that was best placed in terms of having a transport infrastructure in place, having venues ready, you know, more so than other cities. So London um, stepped up to the plate. All South London provided was the tennis at the uh, at Wimbledon, as yeah. we've said, which would have been the old Wimbledon, wouldn't it? That's right. Remember, go back to our Wimbledon episode, episode twenty something. SouthlandHardcore.com, top left, episode guide. The 99 Olympics, so generally provided, and this isn't uh, South London based, but I think it is fascinating. Um, what's the distance for the marathon? 26 miles. 26 miles, 385 yards. Do you know what the Olympic marathon distance was before 1908? 25 miles? 25 miles. Do you know why it was changed? 
Uh, something to do with the route, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The distance, distance between like White City and somewhere else. During uh, the opening ceremony, there was a lot of controversy over flags. Right. And it's interesting when you look at it in terms of the time it has happened. We're we're building up to the First World War. We're building up to a time when nationalism is essentially gonna uh, peak to a point where people are going. The only way to get rid of these people is to slaughter a country. We're gonna have to kill these people. <laughs> um, uh, so you've got Finland occupied by Russia at the time. So the Finnish uh, athletes were supposed to march under the Russian flag and just didn't bother because they were like, "There's no way we want to be affiliated with these guys." So yeah. you got you got some a bit of a tinderbox situation there. The Swedish flag, someone forgot to put the Swedish flag above the stadium. So the Swedish team went, we're not marching at all. <laughs> it was just like, just this... Uh, and obviously, they're, they're, they're organising on the fly, so bless them. But the um, the big controversy came when uh, the US team refused to dip their flag to the royal family during the opening ceremony. Um, that was the uh, traditional... You, the idea was you march past the Queen and dipped your flag as a mark of respect. But the American team had... Um, a sort of firebrand Irish Republican element to it. Okay. And uh, the, the US team captain said, he's uh, quoted as saying, my Nelly. Well, uh, Don't tread on me. Even better, uh, this flag dips to no earthly monarch. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, okay, that's fine. <laughs> so um, it was seen uh, as a slight to the royal family. And to try and reassert... Which it was intended as. Yeah, which it was intended To reassert the... Uh, uh, the status of the royal family, um, the uh, marathon started at Windsor Castle. And to make it actually work into the grounds of Windsor Castle with the Empire of the Stadium, it meant adding an extra mile to the route. <laughs> so they went, okay, we'll make it 26 miles. And the royals were like, okay, that's, that's good. It's nice to negotiate. The reason it's uh, 26 miles, 385 yards, is the Queen said, would it be nice if it started under the windows of the royal nursery? Oh, wow. <laughs> and they went, it's well... It's Victoria. Uh, what did it have been at the time? No, I don't think it was Victoria. But, yeah, uh, basically they said... Uh, don't you know your monarchs? Why am I getting involved in the British royal family? I don't, I don't want them there, do I? <laughs> um, yeah, they, so it went from 25 miles to 26 miles, and then they went 26 miles, 385 yards, so we can start it under this window. Wow. And now, that is the default so marathon still distance. That much, yeah. yeah. They run, they run the London Marathon to that distance just because that's now the marathon distance. When I was researching where um, the marathon would go, in, uh, even, in, even in the past Olympics, for all maybe it dips south of the river, but it doesn't, no, is it? They're, they're it's different to the London Marathon, the route, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, because it ends up in the stadium and they run around it, don't they? That's it. And then a Kenyan guy wins. <laughs> they're the rules. The other thing about 1908, well, a couple of things about 1908... Um, I mean, I don't much. Just well, can I just ask a quick question about the marathon? Yeah. Does anyone do it in like a kind of rabbit costume or anything? <laughs> they do it as Daleks. No. <laughs> <laughs> the guy, the guy won uh, bronze last time runs. <laughs> Imagine if he'd done it properly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like Usain Bolt. <laughs> yeah. Usain Bolt should do a hundred meters in like a deep sea diving outfit, isn't it? He should, man. Make it finish, fair. Finish fourth. Dwayne Chambers. Just <laughs> <the island>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, nineteen oh eight. I don't know how much research you did into it generally as an Olympics. It's a nonsense, isn't it? Is it? Oh, it is absolutely outrageous. Some of the things happened. Well, it's just, uh, obviously, it's a short time to organise. But, yeah, um, one of the events is uh, Jus de Pont. Tennis. Real tennis, yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
And you're like, okay, well, I guess that's this. Um, the tug of war. <laughs> Olympic tug of war. Olympic tug of war. And this will give you, I think the Olympic tug of war. How do you do that, man? Is it around teams? Robin? Teams, yeah. Um, when I tell you the medalists in the Olympic tug of war, you'll realise how entirely nonsensical it was to even have that event in the Olympics. The gold was won by the City of London Police Force. <laughs> All right. The silver was won by the uh, Liverpool Police Force. And the bronze went to the Met. <laughs> so, like the other countries. Uh, Sweden, uh, Sweden finished fourth because they refused to take part in the bronze medal match. Probably because they realised it was nonsense because oh. it was just being dominated by police forces. It's not good for your health either, But also, what's... What you're talking about, you know, modern Olympic football, I mean, it's a terrible selection process. What is this yeah, Olympic yeah, yeah. process where police forces go in their separate teams? It's outrageous, isn't it? Also, they had um, uh, an entire category of Olympic sports that were uh, water motorsports. Like jet ski racing? <laughs> well, no, it was uh, just motorboats, essentially. Motorboat races. And, you know, you can have, you, you were saying earlier about um, Steve Redgrave uh, needing a boat. He didn't need a motor, did he? <laughs> At that point, you're sort of yeah. going, this is pointless, isn't it, if you're doing that? He is the motor. Please propel yourself. Um, yeah, I think, also, you know, all, all that aside, I think just a, a glance at the medal table shows you how nonsensical it was in the Olympics. Great Britain. Well, Liverpool Police Force won. <laughs> well, Great Britain, uh, 56 golds, uh, 51 silvers, and 39 bronze medals. The USA got 47 medals in total. So, uh, oh, right. yeah, Great Britain got more gold medals. <laughs> yeah. Got nine more golds than the USA got this is, in total. I wish uh, they'd set up the World Cup earlier, man. I think they'd set up the World Cup when there was just no one else doing it. <laughs> but you'd have like... England, uh, Scotland, well, England, England, Scotland. Uh, again, without wanting to uh, court controversy. I forget which Olympics it was. I was reading about it the other day. Um, but uh, Upton Park FC were the great yeah. British uh, representatives. <laughs> but not, I was on the uh, Joy Six and the Guardian Joy Six. That's probably. Oh, was it? Well. No, I, was, I read okay. it on the uh, on Wikipedia oh, at some okay. some point. Yeah, but it's nothing to do with West Ham, so we can't claim uh, a second world championship. <laughs> or, or indeed, uh, would that even stop you? Though? Or indeed, a first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure that won't stop you. <laughs> Shocking football club. Um, by my reckoning, in 1908, South London won six golds and three silvers. In which one? 1908? Yeah. Wow. Which is uh, not bad, is it? Who are they? Um, Charles Henry Bartlett of Bermondsey uh, won gold in the 100km track cycling. James Baxter of Greenwich won uh, silver in the 12 metre class of sailing. Um, Some other guys. Well, uh, rowing, uh, we did well. Uh, uh, Philip Verdon of Brixton. Uh, got a silver in the. I always play bombing down there for a, <laughs> in training. Um, the football team only won South Londoner, but and you're like this because he was a Spurs player. Oh yeah, yeah. Viv- Vivian Woodward. Oh right. As only one South Londoner in the team, Vivian Woodward of uh, Kennington. So you know, carrying on the fine tradition of uh, Kennington uh, football, as discussed in our FA Cup episode. Yeah, episode something or other. Um, yeah, he they won the gold. Um, as I say, only one South London player on the team, but he was the captain. And he played oh. uh, over 100 games for Spurs, played over 100 games for Chelsea as well. Like, so. They've ever found them those days, Chelsea, haven't they? He scored a goal in the final as well. So he was, uh, as I say, captain and uh, captain. In Britain won, well. yeah? Yeah. yeah they, it, if you name a sport, the chances are there was something. It was just embarrassing. Oh. You look at the medals thing. Yeah, did well in the rowing. Uh, 
two golds, two silvers from South London. But uh, Steve Redgrave. <laughs> but I've managed to find the only two, and I think this sort of narrows it down uh, in terms of us picking out great South London Olympians. Um, there are two South Londoners who won Olympic gold medals in South London. Oh, right. So the tennis guy? Uh, yeah. And uh, the tennis woman? Um, yeah, Gwendolyn Eastlake-Smith Eastlake won gold in the women's singles. And Reggie Doherty won uh, gold in the men's doubles. Reggie Doherty, um, we, and we should have covered this in the Wimbledon episode, um, was born in Wimbledon and obviously played most of his tennis in Wimbledon and indeed at Wimbledon. Um, he won the men's singles titles in 1897, 1898, 1899, and 1900. Wow. He won uh, the singles titles four years in a row. Did he play in Pomme de Terre or whatever it's called? No, Pomme he, 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 didn't play, he only played fake tennis, not real tennis. Um, yeah, he didn't win the singles title in 1901. But in 1902, his brother Laurie won the singles title. He also won in 1903, 1904, 1905 and 1906. Wow. So these two brothers from Wimbledon, between 1897 and 1906, won nine men's singles doubles at uh, singles titles at Wimbledon. And uh, won a good few doubles. Uh, they're both asthmatics as well. So, yeah. It's a comedy spot, isn't it? People running around in a three-piece suit. <laughs> yeah, some of the photographs from are amazing. They're wearing like jumpers and bow ties, having just uh, won Wimbledon. 1936, Steve, uh, Berlin, yeah, Hitler, everyone saluting. Uh, you're, you're painting a montage right now, aren't you? Like, Jesse uh... Owens <laughs> outruns him. Right? He could have had Hitler, he could have been given Hitler a piggyback and he would have beat him. You can see the distance? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whoops him. Yeah. What happened after that, Steve? There was a war, wasn't there? World it was, War Two. It was a war, yeah. Come on, man, I'm expecting you to take over at some point, Steve. <laughs> I'm ready to go, but you, you seemed uh, lost in the referee about I'm trying to pass the baton. 1936, Berlin, <laughs> Hitler, Jesse Owens, <laughs> a battle of wills, some called it. Uh, um, yeah, 1948, and it's another thing where, you know, obviously 2012 why is... Why have you jumped to 1948, Steve? 1940, couldn't have the Olympics. Yeah? Right, sorry, yeah. 1940, Tokyo, right? Can't <laughs> have the Olympics because there's a war going on. Yeah. So they go, then it goes to Helsinki, but that gets cancelled because there's still a war. <laughs> 1944, they say London can have it. Still can't have it, yeah, because like the war's just finishing off. There's still a war, though, isn't there? Yeah. Right, now, 1948, Steve, go. Yeah, with 2012, this is officially London's third Olympics. I think it's London's third Olympics. But it's the first one that's been given to London without, oh, of course, without yeah. any sort of asterisk next to it. It's not, with, with 1908 and 1948, it was like, you're the only ones that can really have it. No, everyone, 1908, um, you're set up for a, a, a tournament and they've got a volcano everywhere. It has gone everywhere, that volcano. 1948, uh, Europe's decimated, including London. London's still all over the place. It's still sort of, you know, obviously there were bomb sites into the 50s, you know, in London. They're still rationing. It's the austerity games. That's what it's popularly known as because no new venues are built. There's not an Olympic village. The uh, yeah. Olympic athletes just stay in existing yeah, the accommodation. The radical, radical move of... Uh, the visiting athletes stayed in existing accommodation. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, again, with the games, you have to sort of have a look at the composition of of the games. Germany and Japan not invited. Not invited. So, uh, yeah, they were still uh, shunned on the naughty step. Actually, yeah. So sort of like, you can come over when you say sorry, <laughs> and then you're allowed <laughs> to play tennis. Um, no USSR as well, who were invited. 
But obviously at that point, we're sort of going, we've got plans for you. We got. Um, they were thinking Red Dawn in it, but it never happened. What's Red Dawn? Uh, is that Arnold Schwarzenegger film? It's not no, Arnold that's Red Sonja. That Red is Red Sonja. Uh, Red Dawn Sonja. It's a woman's name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Red Dawn's the amazing one with Patrick Fazy about... Uh, a Russian invasion of the United States, like a land invasion of the United States. Well, it's fictional. Yeah. The film is um, like an alternate history. Is that the idea? It's basically, yeah, what if the Russians landed and uh, this bunch of rowdy school kids sort of fight off Russian <laughs> <animals>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We get the normalisation, though, of, of the Olympics. Um, the USA get 38 golds and Great Britain get 23 medals in total. So suddenly it's the inversion yeah. of 1908 where... You know, a lot of the nonsense. There's no mad sports. You know, it's pretty much an Olympics that you can recognise and uh, a US team that you can recognise. South London's medal tally drops in proportion. Two silvers. Still not bad. Uh, Dorothy Tyler, Oldham of uh, Stockwell, silver in the high jump. And uh, Alfred Mellows got uh, from Croydon, silver in uh, the rowing eights. So we've got three venues, Steve. Yep. The uh, we'll start with the Herne Hill Velodrome, shall we? Which yeah. was during the war used as an anti-aircraft rifle centre. <laughs> um, I was watching a video on the Guardian website just before I came out, right? So I didn't get to check where this guy came from. But it's this guy Tommy Godwin. He won two, won two bronzes there: the thousand meter and the four thousand meter. I don't know freestyle, wasn't it? <laughs> There was a video, there was an interview with him, and he went back, there was in a bit of cycling around, he had his original bike, he had his original jersey. He, uh, yeah, man, it was quite a good little, uh, we'll put a link to it. There was some controversy about Herne Hill Velodrome. Um, some of the cyclists and journalists were outraged at some of the arrangements that were made. Um, one race, the final took place at 9 o'clock at night. There were no lights in Herne Hill Velodrome. Yeah, so, bike lights, huh? Well, didn't use those either. So well, it, they, it was basically done in pitch black. <laughs> the Italian team's blue jerseys apparently were virtually invisible in the dark, and they couldn't use uh, flash photography for the photo finish uh, because of uh, the uh, affecting the cyclist's uh, night vision. So um, they sort of they worked out who won, but it wasn't it wasn't easy, and a lot of people were sort of up in arms at the shoddy organisation. Have you had the? Um... Chemical Brothers song, Velodrome, the official 2012 Velodrome theme. I haven't. You like it, didn't oh, you? Oh, it's brilliant. I love really? it, man. It's like very Kraftwerk, man. <coughs> There's, you know, the Kraftwerk uh, single and then album uh, Tour de France. I do. Which I quite like, man. I, prefer, I like the single. I'm not mad about the album. But it, yeah. <coughs> you know, the yeah, kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, it draws on Kraftwerk a bit. The, okay. uh, uh, Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's great, man. Yeah. I loved it, the Chemical Brothers track. Because what's in it? Muse did uh, like an official Olympic song, and I, the thing is, I love Muse, right? Yeah. I know people hate them; they think it's silly. Who uh, <laughs> was it? Graham Coxon said you'd never hear someone playing Muse on a council estate. <laughs> <laughs> Odd thing to say. Yeah, I know. He was talking about how you would hear someone playing the Libertines. That you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> that was his point about Libertines being good and Muse being bad. I like them both, but they did quite <laughs> a bad song for the Olympics. It's quite kind of. Uh, a bit opera. Uh, I was going to say bombastic. It's kind of orchestral. I can imagine because they get a bit carried away. He does get a bit carried away. If you're going to see him live, man, he's bringing out the piano at any opportunity. <laughs> All a tremendous live show, I thought, man. Really yeah, enjoyed. people rave about him live. People go, yeah, it's the it's best just, live show. I, 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 it's the type of band that people do love or hate, man. Olympic football. 
1948, there were three games uh, played in South London. Two at Sellers Park, right? Denmark three, Egypt one, after extra time. 12,000 people in the crowd. That's the first round. And uh, the other game there, Sweden 12, South Korea nil. And South Korea had previously been successful in South London, of course, because they played their first round match against Mexico at Champion Hill. Yeah, home of Dulwich Hamlet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 6,500 people, apparently. Which is, uh, I've been telling, like, uh, I was telling people at school, like kids, like, you know, uh, in the 1948 Olympics, just up the road, Dulwich Hamlet. South Korea, Mexico. Yeah, um, Sweden won the tournament. Um, 12 0. Henry Carlson scores a hat trick, but he's bettered by Gunnar Nordahl, who gets four goals. Gunnar Nordahl, at the time, was playing for AC Milan. Oh, is he one of those? He... Yeah, he was. He's a incredible player. He he still holds the record. Uh, he won the Capo Capinieri five years in a row. That's the award for the the top scorer in Serie A. Um, yeah, so they were um, an incredibly strong team. In the South London press, all the Suffolk news this week. One of the two interchangeable, aren't they? <laughs> they had a picture of the program from uh, the from Champion Hill. from Champion Hill. Yeah, from South Korea, Mexico. Also got the Paralympics, Steve, yeah? But just a quick word on that Channel 4 Paralympics advert. I've not seen it yet, but I saw you raving about it. Oh, that. my gosh. It's like the best advert really? I've ever seen. It's yeah. incredible, man. It's just so well put together, man. It's like... It's the kind of... Starts off your kind of standard uh, inspirational sports advert where it's just quite quickly cut of, like, um, people at sportsmen, you know, Paralympians... You know, doing their thing, you know, even just like high fiving and stuff like that. Yeah. Like stumps, you know. And then, like, then it shows like a soldier getting blown up and like this car going off the roads, right? Like, because obviously they're paralyzed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, there's a bit in the hospital, it, it cuts to a scan, like a, like kind of a live scan of a baby that's obviously like, and then it cuts to the mother, like, holding her in the hospital, like, obviously, like, finding out her child is disabled. Yeah. Will go on to be this uh, Paralympian. And it's got a uh, public enemy harder than you think. No. Do you know it? From uh, It's from like uh, 2007. I didn't know the song before. But oh, it's yeah, yeah. such a great... I've listened to it nine times today, the song. <laughs> I downloaded the album. Like, I just downloaded public enemy discography. Yeah, it? yeah. And uh, the album... Uh, I can't remember what it's called, man. Something like Selling Your Soul. Something like that. It's like the 20th anniversary album. Yeah, they have these mad puns in there. These really long album titles. <laughs> yeah. They're just mad puns. But um, the song is just... It's such a great track, harder than you think. Yeah, it's yeah. just like, do you know the song? I don't know. It's like a uh, flavor, flavor thing going. Um, yo, Chuck D, I am um, on the way to the studio, man. These guys were saying uh, that Chuck D he thinks he thinks he's nice. And I say <laughs> no, he knows he's nice. And then Chuck D just comes in. He, you know, he's yeah, yeah. kind of big. Uh, you know, Rolling Stones of the rap game. I'm not. Uh, I'm not bragging. It's such a great track, man. Um, uh, yeah, as I said, I've listened to it nine times today, at least five times yesterday. <laughs> and the advert is, uh, it just works so well on the advert. Like, Kick Your Door Down Hip Hop is like kind of my favourite stuff, man. Well, you know uh, I mean? Public Enemy also uh, were representing South London uh, over the last couple of nights. They played played a gig in, uh, I forget whereabouts they were, but they did a shout out for uh, Smiley Culture. Oh, right. I they know named, they na- okay. named him. They named him as uh, a man wrongly killed by the police. Oh, right. Yeah. So, yeah, we won't be uh, going to any of the South London events and uh, certainly won't be watching any of them on television either. 
But if you are listening and you are going or whatever, tweet can us. I, let us know if you had a great time. Can man. I just say, you don't speak for me. If I want to watch the modern pentathlon, <laughs> and I don't, but if it's on, I will. <laughs> then I will watch the modern pentathlon. It should be quite easy to catch up, man, on iPlayer and the BBC website these days, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, my thing about the Olympics is you find yourself watching things that you wouldn't normally watch. People always say that, but you don't. I don't. No. Okay. I only watch things that I only ever watch things I've chosen to watch. Okay. I don't sit there flicking over. I put on Breaking Bad. <laughs> oh no! I'll, I'll put on the Olympics and I'll give it a go, whatever it is. Just because uh, I don't know uh, it's usually human stories, isn't it? For someone, that's the greatest day of life. You you may not be a fan of modern pentathlon. In fact, we can take out that may not because we know you're not a fan of modern pentathlon. But you know, I'll give it a watch. I watch someone uh, do some show jumping with a rifle over their shoulder wearing swimming trunks. I imagine that's how it goes, isn't it? Somehow. That's the thing. If they did it all in, in like in a row, well, they're like on a on a horse in a wetsuit. Yeah, that's the thing. If it was like a, you know, a, was it triathlon, where they sort of run with the bike and then jump on the bike and then jump in the mm. river, so like bang, bang, bang. But you know they're doing this over like two or three days. But if they were in like a yeah horse riding helmet, gun over their shoulder. In swimming trunks. Yeah, anyone who's carrying a gun, man, laser gun. You'd be watching that, wouldn't you? Yeah, they've got a laser gun, <laughs> and there. So if that's the case, we'll be watching the one that's half long. Otherwise, not. I presume, Steve, this week you'll be putting clips up uh, on the website. I've got a new series that I'm writing on the website as well called Natty Roots uh, about buses, or you know, my time on buses. So uh, click the link up the top that says writing. And you can find Steve's stuff, these electric avenues, and uh, Natty Roots there. That's on southlandhardcore.com. Remember, at SLHC Podcast on Twitter. Find us on iTunes. Yeah, we're on iTunes. Yeah, Leave we're on a all, comment. We're know. on all the podcast apps, man. If we're not on your podcast app, send us a message and we'll get on it, yeah? 